<laughs> Praise God. Um, Daniel and Tracy's Amstutz are here, and we, Dorothy and I, we met Daniel back in 1973 yeah. during the charismatic renewal. Yep. He was 10 and I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> I told him when I walked in, I said, man, I didn't know those two old fellas could look this good dressed up, man. <laughs> the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that I'm supposed to talk more about my book. And it sounded a whole lot like my wife's voice. <laughs> so I'm in obedience. Dorothy and I'll be married 54 years in June. And when we, before we got married, we made a decision. She would make all the minor decisions. I'd make all the major ones. So far, we've never made a major decision. So <laughs> that's how you have a successful marriage for 54 years. But I did, I'm not good at promoting this. But anyway, this book will change your life. I forget to announce it on the front of it. This is our son looking in the mirror and seeing Jesus. And the whole book is on 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are we. And um, how many of you seen the healing journey uh, with Nickel, uh, Nikki? Her mom designed this for me, Chris. She's very creative. But anyway, the, whole, the first chapter starts off with that we are identical twins with Jesus. And, uh, and, and right now, the, our spirit is an identical twin to Jesus. But when we get to the final place of being with him, we're going to be identical with him, spirit, soul, and body. He loves your body as much as your spirit. He loves your soul as much as... So we're going to be completely like him when all, everything's done. But right now, our spirit is identical with him. The day will come, we will be identical, spirit, soul, and body. And uh, so this is, if, you want to know, if you want to be more like Jesus, I, I tell you, this book will get you there. And, and it's all, all about grace and how God brings you. And I did a, uh, went to a seminary, cemetery. <laughs> but I did then go to Melliland. It was a spirit, one of the first spirit-filled uh, uh, charismatic uh, colleges during that time. So I graduated from there. And um, so... This book will help you to, to break religious thinking, things like that. But we had to take a course about this thick on sanctification. In the Meth I was first went to Methodist Seminary in Denver at Iliff, and then I transferred and went out there. But I read that book. I didn't know what sanctification was after I read the book at all. So the Lord said, let me show you what it's all about. Said, so the Holy Spirit said, I will come up and take your hand. I'll walk you up and show you Jesus, and I'll tell you when I'm through with you, you're going to look just like him. That's sanctification. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean all you ladies are going to have beards and everything like that. It means it's this. In, in Christ, there's no male nor female. Your spirit and my spirit is just like Christ. He lives in a male body. He lives, lives in a female body. So you're always going to be either male or female, but we're all in Christ. So in that relationship, there is no more male nor female and Gentile. We're one in Christ in our spirit, but you're always going to have the female form, and I'm going to have the male form, and, but, but we're all one in Christ. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's what this book will show you. 
And I guarantee you, it, it shows you step by step how grace conforms you to the image of Christ. And then inside of it, they're out there on the, there's this saying right here. It says, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. How many of you ever heard of the Moravians? How many of you heard of them? They were spirit-filled Christians back in John Wesley's day. And John Wesley came across to America, and they were out at sea, and a, a storm came up. And John Wesley and the rest of them, they were kind of scared. And the Moravians just out there praising God. So it impacted his life so much that when he got to America, he realized he wasn't even saved yet. And that's when he went back and had what they called his Aldergate experience, where his heart was suddenly warmed. That's when he got born again. But it was by the impact of these Moravians. Well, there was a king in England at that time who had an island where he sent slaves. And his purpose for sending them out there is uh, so they could never hear the gospel. So three Moravian young men, probably in the eight, early 20s, sold themselves into slavery so that they could go to that island and preach the gospel. That's quite, and, and knowing that they'd never come back and see their family. So when the ship was departing, all the families were there, and, and this, they stood up, and this is what they said. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Powerful statement. I don't know how many of us would do that. But that was, that's what this is all about. So if anybody wants this, I'd be glad to give it to you. See, some, just run and give it to somebody. And I, I forgot to announce, too, the, um, I have a series out there called Resting in God's Presence. It's uh, 16 hours. Uh, I teach it this week. I'm going to teach it at uh, Karis Bible College. And, and Pastor Greg always says, I want you to teach Resting in God's Presence. I tried to change it once, and he said, no, I want you to teach on resting in God's presence. I said, okay. So that's what's on here. And there's two, I only teach one part of this. The second part I've not taught up here, but both parts are in here, 16 hours of resting in his presence. So if somebody wants that, just, they're, and they're back there on the table. So uh, like I said, my, the Holy Spirit that sounded a whole lot like my wife said, <laughs> said you need to, tell a little bit more about what's in the book. And, and, and the ladies back there also said, you know, nobody knows what the book's about. So that's what it's about. And I guarantee you, you I've had people, uh, I had a lady write me one time, her and her husband on the verge of divorce. And she, she wrote me and she said, you know what? I read that book and that saved my marriage. So it, it's very powerful. It really is. And what am I going to teach today? Some of it is in that book. And, and this is only the second time I've ever preached this message in, in the complete form that I did this morning. Uh, this is, uh, I told everybody this morning, it's the first. So what I've got is at 49 years of ministry, 45 years of, especially 49 years studying on the glory and God and revivals. And, and so all the things, I had all these pieces of the puzzle and a lot of those pieces are in this book. But the Lord just, as when Pastor Rick asked me to, come and speak, I immediately, the Lord began to download this into me. And so he kind of takes like a puzzle and he put it all together. So you, you get to be the second people to hear this. And, and it's, it's a lot of it, it's not a whole lot of things new, but there will be some new things. Because when I, when I, I teach, I minister apostolically. And what that means is my impartation to you, 
will break your mindsets. It'll break your mindsets. Apostolic teaching breaks mindsets. Prophetic teaching will show you the heart of God. The, the excellent teacher that your pastor is, and, and uh, I consider him one of the best teachers in the body of Christ. I really do. But he will, he will impart revelation to you, and you'll grow on that revelation. And, and, but, but the apostolic breaks mindsets. And, and I guarantee you, your mind's going to be broken this morning. Some of you are going to go, wow. And, and I don't apologize for that. I, you know, I think sometimes we can be too, we, we think we're humble and we're not. But um, I want you to know that God's going to say some things this morning that I guarantee you, you probably haven't heard before in, in the way I'm going to present it to you. So it's going to be awesome. Amen. So this, I set him up this time, Pastor. I didn't do that last time. <laughs> there it goes again. I love your pastor so much. You got two of the greatest pastors there is. And Dorothy and I, we just love them. <laughs> That's a father's heart. <clears throat> the father is always proud of children. And they have no greater joy than to hear that their children what? Walk in truth. Amen. Turn with me to uh, Acts. No, Acts. I'm, I read Acts so much. Uh, Psalms 8. <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> Chapter 8, verse 3. When I look at the heavens, the work of thy hands, the moon and the stars which thou hast established, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? Yet you have made him a little less than God, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Man, that, that is so powerful. Thou hast given him dominion over the works of your hands, Thou shalt put all things under his feet, all ox sheep and oxen and beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the sea. O Lord our God, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. So we'll talk this morning about how first Adam, how you go through the cross into the throne, onto the throne. So I'm going to talk about the first and second Adam. And, and, uh, but God is a covenant Making and covenant-keeping God. How many of you know that? And covenant is not a contract. A contract is when you go out and negotiate something, like you're buying a new car, a new house or something, and you negotiate and you, you settle for a price. That's a contract. A covenant is, it's one-sided, and it's an invitation where you, join the con where you enter into that covenant according to the covenant rules. God is a covenant. He's the sovereign covenant initiator. God cut a covenant with man, said, you and I, we have dominion over all, and we're going to see what that all means a little later on, over all the works of my hands. That's a covenant. God never, will never break that covenant, ever. But he initiates it. And I want to say this, fallen man and the born-again Christians, they both are under this covenant to have dominion on earth. Man, right now, we have dominion on this earth. 
this building, everything that's made, man made it. We, we, it you know, uh, Satan, I want you to hear these words, because I'll elaborate a little bit longer. Satan has no dominion over the earth. Satan has no dominion over the works of God's hand. We do. We have dominion over all the works of God's hand. And God's never changed that. God never changed it. When Adam fell, Lucifer or Satan did not have now, now dominion over the earth. He does not have it. We do. How does he come into contact with influencing the earth? When Adam fell, he now can demonize people. And he can make himself known through evil, like what's going on in the world today. The world's never seen this evil rampant all over the earth. And I believe this, only God knows times and seasons, the Father. Jesus even said, I don't even know when I'm coming back. I think if God told the Lord, he'd have to tell somebody else. Say, hey, listen, I'm coming on this day. I can't wait to get there. So we see that seasons are set by the Father. Like Jesus, before he ascended, said, only the Father knows seasons. Satan does not know his season. He doesn't know. Remember when Jesus cast that one demon out, he said, have you come to torment us before our time? See, they don't know. They know there's a time coming. But I think Satan tries every generation to raise up an antichrist. Brother Hagin said, I used to preach on the antichrist, or, but he said three of mine died, so he said, I don't preach on it anymore. <laughs> I think Satan, like all the, the, the tyranny dictators throughout century, I think he thinks this is the one, you know, he's, I've got full power over him. And look how, like Hitler and these, how, how they influenced the nation by that deceptive wickedness. But then he died. But I think Satan's always looking for someone that he, he knows he can totally possess. And I really believe the enemy right now thinks he's got us. I think he's, because we know this, as America goes, so goes the world. And he knows that because the impact of the nations. But this is not his season. It's the church's season. We're going to rise and shine. The glory of the Lord is going to come upon us and we are going to change. We're going to make disciples of the nation. The great thing that God is getting ready to do is church. It's through us, the body of Christ. So anyway, go to uh, 1 Corinthians. I've got to stay on course because I, I can run too, too far too, too many times. I can't do that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and we're over here in verse, is your Bible pages so thin you can't quite get them sometimes? Verse 42, <laughs> so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a physical body, it's raised a spiritual body. If there's a spiritual body, there is also a, or a physical body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, I want you to hear these words. The first man became a living soul or a living being. My Bible says being, but King James says living soul, same thing. And uh, the last Adam, that's Christ, became a life-giving spirit. So I want you to know that you are a life-giving spirit. 
They're not just a living soul anymore. That God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And he became a living soul. But he was of the dust. We are of heaven. So I'll keep on reading. I just keep this in mind. You are a living spirit. Because I'm going to introduce you to yourself here pretty soon. And it is not the spiritual which is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. But the second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brethren, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. We live in first Adam's body. Our body is a body of the dust. Someday we'll have a glorified body just like Jesus, just like Jesus himself. Let's, let's go to Romans 8. You know, when you minister, and I know Pastor Rick will say this too, when, when you minister two meetings, you, you come out saying the same thing, but, but each one you kind of say it maybe a little bit different or bring it in a little bit different way. So we're going to jump right over here to Romans 8 and just set the, set the pattern up here. And we're going to look in verse uh, 18. I consider that the sufferings, ooh, everybody say sufferings, See, American church doesn't like the word sufferings. 60% of our brothers and sisters in the world are persecuted, dying for, their, for, their, their, uh, for the gospel, murdered and tortured, and, and you know, 60%. Now, America, we're, we're starting to get persecuted, right? I mean, God forbid you, you get kicked off of Facebook. Google and Facebook is not your God. Neither is Twitter or whatever that stuff is. But yet it's the beginning. You know, it's the beginning of America's standard of freedom of speech. There's no freedom of speech in America. You're demonized if you speak the truth. God forbid that you'd say, be engaged to sin. God forbid you'd call a man a man and a woman a woman. I mean, when our next Supreme Court, the lady they're doing now, they ask her, are you a woman? She said, I, I'm not a biologist. Can you imagine that? She's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone without a normal brain could come up with something like that. If you have a normal brain, you know what a man is, you know what a woman is, amen? Just, just check out the plumbing. You'll know which is which. <laughs> God made us male and female, praise God. And we're not going to be afraid. Here's the sad thing. During the pandemic, the Lord lifted the skirt of the church and showed her, the world, her nakedness. Because judgment begins with the household of God. But what God is doing is getting the people like you, a remnant, the Gideon's army, that we were going to, we're going to take this country back. We will. And, and, and we'll make disciples of nations. Because we're not going to bow down. We're not going to bow. We're not going to burn. Amen. So this will encourage you today to see that the major part you play 
in God's plan of what he's working to bring this gospel to the ends of the earth. And that, then the Lord can come. And uh, so anyway, um, I do not consider the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is about to be revealed to us. Another translation says the glory that's being revealed in us. In us. And you know why you're, you know, you know the only reason you, you become suffering as a Christian or persecuted for righteousness' sake is because you're walking in righteousness. The only reason that Facebook and all these, it's the word of God. It's, it's all against Christ and we know that. They hate this word. And that's what it's all about. And, uh, but praise God, we're living epistles of this word. And we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was created in futility. Not of his own will, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the liberty of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning and travail together until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait for the adoption of son, as sons, that is, the redemption of our bodies. You see, when our bodies are redeemed, then the glory of God that God has given to us as man is revealed. And then there will be a new heaven and earth. Now, I want you to see something here. It says that all of creation fell. All of creation. Why? Because God has given us man over dominion of all his creation. How did Adam fall? How did Lucifer fall? Lucifer exalted his will above God. And when you exalt your will above God, then you're walking in self and sin is knocks on the door of self. Church, we don't have a sin problem. We have a self problem. Your biggest enemy is the one you look in the mirror at. Because you determine whether you're going to humble yourself and exalt Christ in your life or you're going to be a meathead. <laughs> How many of you heard Pastor Rick's teaching on a carnal Christian? Carnal-minded? That word carnal comes out of meat, and he said, you're all a bunch of meatheads. So you can be a meathead and still be a Christian, still going to heaven, but you're carnally-minded. You don't have the mind of Christ. And I'm coming to give you a mindset of Christ this morning, and it, it's going to rock your world. Adam, the first Adam, fell because he exalted his will above God. That's what Lucifer tempted him with, Satan. Oh, did God really say this? Oh, really? He'll know that you'll have not. And so he puffed him up, and then pretty soon Adam exerted his will and ate against God's will who said, don't eat. And at that level he fell. And the glory and honor that was, that was given to him is gone. But it came back to us through Christ to have dominion over the works of his hands. But I want to show you something. Well, let me read this scripture to you first. Let's go look at Ephesians. I want to tie this all together. I think I can do a better job this, this time, Pastor Rich. Pastor Rick. 
And um, what did I say, Romans 8? No, I, I said uh, Ephesians 1. Thank you. I know, Pastor Rick, sometimes we get so far ahead of ourselves then we have to slow down here, slow down. Ephesians 1, 2. Ephesians 2, verse 4. You guys are in the Spirit. You know what I was trying to say to you. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us live together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and makes us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, let's tie some things together. It says, Adam, the first, uh, first Adam, what was he made out of? Dust. Dust. He had no access to heaven. And he only had dominion over the earth. But we, the last Adam, hid in Christ. We're a life-giving spirit. And where did our life come from? Heaven. Heaven. So that which was earthly as earthly was born of the earth, but that which is heavenly was born of heaven. So when you got born again from heaven, your brand new spirit knows nothing about the world. Your, your new spirit didn't come from the world. came from heaven. Adam's came out of the dust of the earth, and God breathed into him the breath of life. So we see something. I want to show you this. But you notice we just read that when Adam fell, literally, all of creation fell. All of it. It's the stars, everything God created fell. Why? Because God gave man dominion over all of the works of his hands. Adam may not have known it, but he also had dominion over all of God's creation. So when he fell, not just to see, we, we look so much at the earth. All of creation fell because man forsook his responsibility of having dominion. But he never lost that, that covenant. Satan does not have dominion over the earth. We do. So does fallen man. What Satan has is authority in kingdoms. Remember when Jesus was tempted? To, Satan says, come and you know, bow to me and worship me and I'll give you. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. But what was he showing? He's showing him the different governments and different countries. And the reason that Satan said, I can give these to you, because he had demonized leaders that he ruled over the earth with. He ruled over the countries, but he doesn't rule over the earth. As far as the earth itself is the fullness of the Lord's, belongs to him. But he gave it to us. And we messed it up. Not only did we mess up the earth, we messed up all of creation. The good news is, when we have our body fully redeemed, and this gospel has been preached to the ends of the earth, there's coming a new heaven and a new earth over which we have oversight. 
So we'll oversee when God's creating new galaxies or whatever the new heavens and earth are going to be like, we'll have dominion. We already have dominion over the fish and the seas and all these people. We do. But the day will come when the Lord will say, Daniel, come up here, son. You see that galaxy far, far away? I want you to go over there and name it. I want you to go over there and have dominion over it. That's powerful. That's powerful. We've got to understand who we are as God's covenant man who he's given dominion over all the works of his hands. So we see then that the enemy has access through man and God has access through man when Christ became flesh and dwelt among us. He that was born from heaven came. He took on the form of the man of dust. But when he raised, was raised again, he was raised as the life-giving spirit. So when Adam, when you and I got born again, what happened with the first, we're, in, we're still in the old man's suit, but the first thing the Holy Spirit did in work of grace is he killed you. You say, well, I'm still alive. Well, sadly, some of it is, but no. See, when, when, when the, the old man got to the cross, he was crucified with Christ. And then on the resurrection side of the cross, here we came. For Jesus became the firstborn of many identical twins. We became a life-giving spirit. And now in the, in the, going from grace to grace, faith to faith, strength to strength, Minds being renewed, being transformed, bodies. Now we become the uh, people of God who brings forth this gospel. So we're in a spiritual realm where first Adam never was in the spiritual realm. But we are in a spiritual realm because we're born from heaven. So we have authority. And it says, you know, he put all things under man's feet. Where did he put Satan? under the feet of the born-again man. See, the, the unregenerate world cannot put Satan under their feet because they're, un, they don't have, they're not a living spirit. So as a result of it, they can be the very tools of Satan. But now that we have Satan put under our feet, and what was the final thing? Oh, death happens to be under our feet. So the resurrected you and me, we have now, we have authority of all of God's creation. We have authority over the, the demonic realm. Why? Because we're, we're positioned in heavenly places at the right hand of Christ so that we can destroy strongholds in the heavenly realms. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. So as you and I become more who we are in Christ, who Christ is, when we become more like Him, man, we tear down principalities and powers. And we have the power as God, as we walk with Him, to change nations. In the, old, in the New Testament, when, when uh, Jesus upbraided Capernaum, Capernaum was known as the city of Jesus. And Jesus said he did most of his miracles in, that, in, in Capernaum. And so Capernaum became a celebrity city. And people would come because they knew they could be healed there. I mean, and of course, the, market, the people there, they, market, they marketed that. They, they were benefited by it. 
So Jesus upbraided them saying, if the, if the mighty works of God had been done in the city of, of Sodom, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes and they'd still be here today. But he said, since you haven't repented, you've been elevated to heaven, you shall be cast down. And we've been to Capernaum. How many have been to Israel? Capernaum's just got walls about that high now. I mean, that city is cast down. And, and uh, so here's the key. If we're going to change the, the ungodly evilness that's coming through gay, you know, transgender, all this stuff, let's walk in the mighty miracle workers of Christ and it'll bring them to repentance. Let's be who we are and that will cause them to come into repentance. So we don't have to raise banners and, and fight with them. And by the way, you know why they, they picked the... Uh, uh, rainbow? Well, they say it's many colors. No, it's a demon, homosexual spirit mocking the covenant of God because a, a gay cannot reproduce. They cannot be fruitful and multiply. A man and a man cannot make a baby, and a woman and a woman cannot make a baby. It makes a man and a woman, right? And I don't want to have to go into more detail about that, but you know, God made it that way, so that's a mocking spirit that mocks that covenant. And you've got to realize something. Everything you see on the earth, it's the devil is mocking the covenant of God. And he tries to mock the greatest covenant God ever made, Christ his son. And to discredit him and allow that the church comes along today. It is a sad state where the church that I don't even believe is born again, but they call themselves Christians. And they so adulterate the word of God that... Christianity is not looked upon anything anymore. But when the true church stands up, man, you are demonized. You are, you are racist. How dare you say that, uh, that uh, there can't be a man and a man married? How dare you say these things? The Word of God says it. I don't say it. God loves them. God wants them saved. A lot of them have come out of that kind of a background. Maybe some of you have, but you know what? Adultery is just as bad. Hating your brother is just as bad. So we've all come out of darkness into light. But it's the mighty working power of God, the glory of God with us, making us one holy nation that will change other nations, bring them to repentance. And um, so here we are. We have dominion over all of God's works. And here's where the church misses it sometimes. We still have dominion in the natural realm to get into all the seven mountains of influence. And there's some churches that they teach, well, you know, we're just, we're just teaching spiritual things and getting people saved and, and uh, you know, forget, don't, don't, go, don't get involved with the th politics and this kind of stuff. Well, that's wrong thinking. Because we still, as in the natural, we should be involved. Get involved with the, the, the school boards and everything. And uh, Steve Castle's a really close, well, Dorothy and I is kind of his father. He's called me to be his pastor, asked me when his pastor died. But anyway, he has, he's standing up against the uh, school boards in his area over the curriculum that they're giving our kids. And he has changed four school boards' minds. And they decided they're not going to have that curriculum anymore. How did he do it? He just stood up and spoke the truth. 
And four of them, he said, and he's on his fifth one now, have changed their mind. If you're bold enough to speak the word, the Holy Spirit takes that word, and he's the one that touches those people's hearts. But if you're going to compromise the word, there's nothing there for the Holy Spirit to work on. So I want to introduce you to yourself. How many of you believe you're a new creation? Okay. What part of you is that new creation? See, I, see, I, I don't have to teach a whole lot here because you already know these things. But I want to say something to you. Your new spirit only knows God because you were born from above. You are not a living soul. You're a life-giving spirit. And so in your spirit is where you take the word and the spirit and the word work together to transform your mind. So you have the mind of Christ. Also, the law of the spirit of life can live in this physical body. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can give life to this mortal body. So it's dead to sin. It's dead to the lust of the flesh. And the life of Christ flows in here. And we know then that we then don't have to be subject to those things of the flesh. Now, I want to show you something. Whatever happened to you, the old you, before you got saved, has never happened to you, the new man. Your new man knows nothing of your past. He's never felt the pain of your past. Why? Because he came from heaven. He's, he's in the image of Christ. He only knows God. So what, whatever has happened in your past life before you got born again, that's the old man. He was crucified. And what happened to him has never happened to you. The new man. So what happens once we get born again? Well, we, we still we have tragedy. People, things happen. But the, the different processing takes place. It goes through the new man that's able to heal that part of your life or give you grace to go through it. Does that make sense to you? But your old man is like a photo album. Y'all all have photo albums? Took a picture. Oh, there's grandpa and grandma. There's aunt. They all remember that, that picnic we had together. Oh, that Christmas. But once you take a picture, it's in past tense. I can't take a picture of you in the future. But I can take a picture. If I took a picture of you all right now, the minute I took it, it's past tense. I can't take a picture of Pastor Rick preaching next Sunday because we're not there yet. So the point I'm making is your old man is dead. And whatever happened to him has never happened to you. Because you're the real new creation. You're the living spirit. And when I got that revelation, man, I mean, I got free. See, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of freedom, and he's never satisfied until you're free. And so all the trauma, anything, I, my back, I can, you know, if you want to say, well, you don't know what I've gone through. Well, you don't know what I've gone through to make me want to commit suicide and almost kill people. You don't know what I went through. But I didn't go through that, the real me now. And so I'm free from it. I used to be such an, I was a mean person. I just, I really was. I almost killed a guy one time, and I'll tell you what. A guy was going to shoot me one time, and I said, 
that bullet better kill me because if it don't, I'm going to kill you. It scared him so bad that he didn't shoot me. See, if, you, if, you're, if, if you're within four or five foot of somebody and they have a gun and they're scared, they're probably not going to hit you. Anyway, that's the old life. But see, that's not alive in me anymore. All that anger is gone. You can't hardly, the only thing that makes me angry is the devil and what he does to people. So I want to say to you, when you get to know who you are, the living spirit, Christ himself living in you, you made in his image and likeness, you will understand that the things that's hurt you in the past didn't happen to you. And I know your brains are arguing with me right now. Well, it did too happen to me. No, it didn't happen to you. It happened to the old man who's dead. And you feel the residue of it because you don't know who you are and that you're free from that. And when you begin to recognize that and get in that word and the word telling you who you are, that's what my book will do to, for you, you will understand that never happened to me. What does that mean? I'm not bound to it anymore. That person that you don't want to forgive, now you can forgive them. Because of what they did to you never did it to you. I'm messing with your brain right now, aren't I? I told you it's going to be a, I, I've come to change mindsets. As you experience the life of Christ, of who you really are, and that you're seated with him in heavenly places, and I'm going to go to Colossians uh, chapter 3. And a mystery is something that uh, is hidden only to be revealed. And the greatest mystery we have, and I won't turn to you know the scripture, what is the mystery hidden from ages but it's now revealed? Christ in us. Well, what does that mean? We became a new creation. The living spirit, Christ himself, became one with us. And so we see here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. For you have died. I think the Living Translation says you should have as much desire for the world as a dead man. You have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. Your life right now, the real you, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, and our life is hid with Christ in God. So we're hidden in God right now. But something wonderful is going to happen. When Christ, is, who is our life, appears or is revealed, then you will appear or be revealed with Him in glory. See, you, you the church, we're, we're hidden in Christ only to be revealed as the sons of glory. That's powerful. And if you begin to set your mind, take the Word of God, let the Spirit of God reveal things in heaven to you, things where you're seated in Christ, and your mind should be set on those things. And what happens then? You will recognize that you died. 
and that the new you has the life of Christ, we are His life, we're hidden with Him in God. And whenever He appears in glory, we appear with Him. And I believe there's a twofold meaning to this. First of all, we know that when Christ returns, we return with Him. And we shine like the sun. That is, we, we come with Him and he's, He appears Himself in glory. Well, we're appeared with Him in glory. But I also believe on right now that whenever you are walking where Christ is and He reveals Himself in glory through virtue of healing somebody or setting somebody free, then you're shining in the glory with Him. He's revealing Himself through you. And you shine with that glory. You set captives free. You walk in the power of the kingdom. That's powerful. Man, I just want you to know who you are. You know, there's some Christians that when you get to heaven, you won't know who you are. Because the old man doesn't go up there. He's dead. And if you don't receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save your soul, your soul's not saved. Now, it's going to be in heaven. It's going to have to get saved up there. Because this word transforms the soul. God wants your spirit. I want you to hear these words. Your soul and mind and your body just as full of him as your spirit is. And when that happens, we are glorified with him. That's what a whole new creation Because now... We're in a position with Him to fulfill God's covenant that we will not have dominion over all the works of His hands. Is that powerful? But right now, church, I want you to learn to take your place. And I I want you to, again, the book I have, it it talks all about this, how you are as He is. Has this this helped you? It'll set some of you free from the pain of what's happened in your life. There's, There's... some, some people in here, ladies, that's maybe had abortions. And I'm going to tell you right now, that didn't happen to you. It happened to the old you. God's not mad at you. Because he doesn't even know that person. Because the minute you got born again, that old person was dead in his sight. You've got to make it dead in your sight by the grace of God working Christ in that area. You're free from the guilt of that because it never happened to the real you. When you start getting the revelation of this and the, the experience of it, of Christ, you will be so free from those things that you, you may could be ashamed of at this moment. You've got to hear these words. It never happened to you, the real you. And when you recognize that, what you experience is a real you, is all the love that the Father has for the Son, you will understand that He has that love for you. And when you begin to experience that in your life, two things will happen. The old will pass away, truly. You'll put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you'll minister the power of this gospel and be able to live it like you've never done before. Because as He is... So are you. Amen. Does that help you? Help some of you. (laughs) I I know. 
When I get up to minister, everything goes quiet. You know, I'm not one of those that everybody's jumping up and shouting and everything because what I say to you, I've, I've come to recognize this, it is so strong that you have to sit there and say, what in the world is he talking about? <laughs> but I've got to be quiet enough to hear what he's saying. <laughs> Amen. So I love you guys so much. And you've got great pastors here, great people can come here. I just love to sit and watch all of you minister. Pastor Rick just lets you get up and serve. And, and uh, as a result of this, this church will grow. And I, I'm going to say this. I believe it's the Lord. I believe it's a prophetic pastor that you'll never have to build a building. I believe God has a building provided for you. And you, we don't have time, I don't think, to go through. Uh, you, you're you're going to build the body of Christ. The church we now have, <clears throat> it was an old Baptist church, seats about uh, 800 people, I think. And it went up for sale, and the, the pastor friend of mine bought it from a Baptist church, and he wanted to sell it for eight hundred for $1.2 million. And we had gone to, the, he didn't know this the deal, but we'd gone to the, the bank to see what kind of loan we could get, and we qualified for $800,000. Well, I didn't tell that to my pastor friend. He called me out one time. We were meeting with some elders or apostles or something anyway. He said, he said I'm going to sell these buildings. I want $1.2 million. But he said, if you want it, I'll give it to you for $800,000. I said, we'll take it. I had $2,000 saved up to buy a building. We had, we had uh, that was in June. Was it June? We had till September to come up with a $100,000 down payment. We had 2000 bucks. But to... By the time we went to sign the final note, we had $100,000. People just poured it in. And I want to show you this. I never pray for finances. I stand on the covenant of the blood covenant of Jesus Christ that our Father says, if you're doing my will, I will equip you with everything you need to do it while I'm working in you. So I just say, thank you, Father. All I have to know, what is your will? And then I can rejoice because I know he's going to give me everything I need to do it. And I believe... Pastor, you're going to run into a similar situation. I think somebody's going to come and say, look, we've we got to get rid of this building. You want to buy it? I really believe that because I don't think you're going to be in a building project. So, amen. That's going to be awesome, isn't it? Amen. amen. Well, thank you, Pastor. <laughs> My name is Tracy, and uh, what I wanted to share with you this morning, I checked with our gatekeepers first because it's a little different. Um, for most of my married life, I have dealt with um, not being enough for this man. And uh, so to make a long story very brief, um, recently, I was struggling with this. And I told the father, I said, I need your help. I said, I need you to curse the fig tree. I said, I feel like I'm taking two steps forward and five steps back. And I said, I'm doing all I know to do. I'm talking to you. I'm reading the word. I'm praying. I'm doing all I know to do. I need you to curse the fig tree. I can almost see him up there with his arms crossed and smiling on his face going, are you sure? You know? So a couple days later, I was praying about it again. I said, Father, 
I don't want to be the one to hold back my husband. I just can't imagine me doing that. That's not in my heart. And he said, well, you know, the word says that the two have become one. He said, it's really not about you, honey. You're not that important. He said, it's you and him. But this is where he cursed the fig tree. This is so good. And I want you to notice how he said it. He says, you know, that sounds arrogant. He didn't call me arrogant. He didn't say I was arrogant. He said what I was saying sounded arrogant. Notice he addressed the part of me that needed to hear it. He addressed me as a spirit being, which is what Rich was talking about. So I just wanted to encourage you that um, what he's saying to learn that that is the part of you that really hears God and will address the stuff that needs to be addressed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the message that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Thank you. You know, the picture the Lord gave me in the first service was when we get born again, we're a lion living in a sheep's body. And we still have sheep thinking of weakness inadequacy, a fear. What's the goal of the Christian life? Is to renew our mind and start thinking like the lion. Understanding our position as the lion and roaring like the lion. Father, we just thank you for this. How does that process work? Well, there's three steps. Look at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Keep on looking at the lion of the tribe of Judah.